I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcast is supported by BQE, the makers of BQE Core. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Everybody knows that construction is more expensive than they think it should be. It's just like some innate feeling that people have. And I was living in San Francisco uh, when we started Hyperframe. And at the time, there were a lot of towers under construction. And, you know, I'm just looking at these towers. And I'm what struck me is that most of the cost of, of the construction of that building is not actually what you see. It's in all of the people. Um, that go into building that building. And that is really strange coming from any other industry, right? Like if I, I'm using like my MacBook for this interview right now, and you know, the, the labor cost of my MacBook is probably 10% of the price. In a big city, the labor cost of a building is probably way over 50% of the price. And that was the problem. Problem. Hello, my name is Demetrius, and you are listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. All right, if you listened to our last episode, you probably heard us mention a guest that we were going to try to reach out to, and we actually got a chance to speak with him. So today I'm excited to share our conversation with Ken Sobel. He's the founder and CEO of Hyperframe. And he's going to share their extremely practical solution that they've been working on 
And to kind of sum it up, it's essentially a snap together metal framing system, but it's also enhanced by software and mixed reality technology, which ultimately is going to lead to less waste, higher productivity, and more affordability on our projects. In this conversation, we discuss what inspired the development of this product, challenges and opportunities that Ken saw in the industry, some of the barriers from incorporating this into home building, the savings in time and workforce that you'll get, and much more. Uh, so we had a conversation with Jordan at Trimble, and uh, I can't remember if it was in the middle of the conversation or offline, but he had recommended someone to us. And we actually reached out and, and got a hold of him. Um, uh, so please help me welcome Ken Sobel from Hyperframe. <laughs> Ken, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about what you're doing at Hyperframe and the product that you're creating? Sure. So Hyperframe is a prefabricated metal framing system for commercial buildings that snaps together on the job site. And so the objective was to create a product that could be installed greater than 10 times faster than traditional metal framing. And we wound up developing a lot of technology around the physical components of what we're offering uh, to make that a practical solution for our customers to adopt. And so there's a, a heavy mix of software and hardware in our company. So taking a step back, what issues did you see in the construction world? Because you, you're not a contractor. You didn't start as a contractor, right? So tell us a little bit about that and, and how you saw, what issues you saw in the construction world that compelled you to jump in and sort of tackle this massive effort that you're doing. Yeah, um, I've always loved construction uh, my whole life. And so I... I just thought it would be a fun focus to build a company um, around. Um, but then when we were trying to figure out you know, what we would even make, it seems that everybody knows that construction is more expensive than they think it should be. It's just like some innate feeling that people have. And I was living in San Francisco uh, when we started Hyperframe. And at the time, there were a lot of towers under construction. And you know, I'm just looking at these towers and I'm, what struck me is that most of the cost of, of the construction of that building is not actually what you see. It's in all of the people, like the, the, <laughs> the dozens and hundreds of people um, that go into building that building. And that is really strange coming from any other industry, right? Like if <laughs> I, I'm using like my MacBook for this interview right now and you know, the, the labor costs of my MacBook is probably 10% of the price, um, mm. right? But if in a big city, the labor cost of a building is probably way over 50% of the price. And that was the problem that we identified. And, and I think, you know, we asked ourselves, okay, well, why is that? And you're kind of constrained by what the materials that you're constructing the building from. How hard are they to install? And yeah. a lot of the materials that we're building with today were designed a long time ago. They're commodity materials today. They were designed, you know, 50 years ago, 70 years ago. And in that time, 
labor was inexpensive, and it made sense to have a product that required a lot of labor on site to install because labor was inexpensive. But since then, the cost of labor has grown far faster than the cost of materials. And in today's world, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to construct buildings from raw materials where you're putting in all this labor on the site because it's just the economics of today are different than what the economics were 75 years ago. And so it seems that there needs to be a company focused on making building materials that are 10 times faster, maybe 100 times faster to install. And it, it didn't seem like anybody was doing that. And it kind of seems like this huge gap in society that we thought hyperframe could fill. And it's good. it would take us a long time to, <laughs> to, to, to truly fill it, but um, we're at least getting started. Yeah. Oh, man, I love the product. Can can you talk a little bit about the choice? Um, well, I mean, you can't really do it with wood, but uh, talk about how you how you see this idea of moving into metal framing, sort of working for construction across the board, or does it? Is it more for uh, high rise, larger projects, or could this potentially be used in sort of a residential footprint? So. When you start to think about making a product that snaps together, um, mm -hmm. wood doesn't strike you as the best material to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wood doesn't snap yeah. together all that great. So we knew we would need to make, right, like a plastic product or a metal product. And, you know, there is already a market, um, a significant metal framing market. Um, mm -hmm. And we're very much focused on that market because we want to create a product where there are very few barriers to entry um, in, in terms of a customer buying it. And mm -hmm. if we have to go to, say, a residential home builder and say, we know that you like <laughs> building all of your homes today out of wood, but we'd like you to use metal instead. This is like some huge hump we need to get over um, yeah. to even get them to consider hyperframe. But there's a huge you know, commercial construction market that is using exclusively metal today. And so we are focused on that market. Um, that's not to say that in the future we can't, you know, we can't try to convert wood frame structures over to metal, but that is not, uh, that is, that is going to be a harder task. It's so annoying that it is going to be a hard task. And I know it will be because I see um, a lot of advantages to switching to that, that particularly your snap together metal framing, uh, that the cost or the, the speed that you would gain in doing something like that to have a product like this that you can just throw in there and don't have to go through a whole ton of training just to get these pieces they have the instructions put this to this snap it together and quickly throw that up um, I think there's a huge advantage to moving towards that direction uh, it's similar thought process of this 3d printing homes and things like that just to ease up the uh, training required in the field to have a product like this. I, I wish we could get there faster across the board, particularly in uh, residential housing. Um, I think it just makes so much sense. And there's, you know, I think people mostly have an issue with the uh, heat transfer that could occur at the exterior of the home with the metal. But I think you can solve that with uh, one coat stucco with the foam on the exterior to solve that problem. So I hope we can get there for your sake and for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I think the thermal problem 
there's uh, there are solutions for the thermal problem, but mm-hmm. you know a lot of building material choice just comes down to economics and it comes down to experience. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that is holding back metal framing today is that in normal times, uh, metal is more expensive than wood, you know, per linear foot of stud. Um, yeah. And not only that, is that it takes a lot longer to screw in a metal stud using traditional methods than it yet does to operate a nail gun. Nail gun super fast. And so those two factors mean that, you know, a metal frame home is probably more expensive than a wood frame home. Um, and that's, that's uh, going to be detrimental to the adoption of metal framing in wood frame structures. And then the second is that a lot of the trades need to change how they install their componentry in a metal frame home, like cabinets go up differently, drywalls installed using different screws, like uh, the electrical is different. Um, and in the home building industry, uh, it would take a lot of, you know, training um, amongst all these like small family businesses uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to make that kind of change happen. So, so that's long story short, that is why we decided not to go after structures that are traditionally wood framed today. We decided to go Got after it commercial projects and towers that are already using metal framing so that it's really easy for us to just say hyperframe will look exactly like the metal framing you're you're building today it will just go it will go up 15 times faster and that's like a much easier sell got it where are you or where are you guys at and then what's next so um you know i told you basically the, what what's at the core of the company which is snapped together uh metal framing but there's a lot of technology that we are busy building to support it so sequentially the first part of the workflow that's very important is configuring all of the metal framing components in the bim so that they could be manufactured accurately and today's bim tools are not uh they are primitive and so it is very hard for a customer to configure um, the framing design accurately using today's BIM tools. Uh, Hyperframe is solving this by making its own browser-based 3D BIM application specifically to accelerate and perfect the process of metal framing design um, in the pre-construction phase. Uh, so we are getting that ready. What does that web application do exactly then for you uh, compared to you know laying out any other kind of wall? So... It takes the architectural BIM as an input, which has walls in it, but nothing inside the walls. And it allows the installer to specify all the design criteria for each wall type in the building. So there are different wall types um, that have different design pressures on the surface of the wall, um, different maximum deflection values, different Mm -hmm fire rating requirements, different sound rating requirements. And so the installer will be able to select all these parameters for each wall type in the building. And then our application will automatically choose the most efficient and most inexpensive stud profiles um, and header profiles for all those walls um, in the whole building. And then not only that, we will identify each instance where there is a buildability or manufacturing error that would prevent the materials from being manufactured or built. Um, And this is a huge problem in Revit because Revit is just like a canvas where you can kind of draw whatever you want. And if you draw something that's not buildable, it's not going to (laughs) complain. Our application will complain 
and it will help the user quickly resolve all of those errors before the order is placed. And then finally, the order will be placed electronically through the same application. Do you think this is something that Revit uh, and other companies like it will have to catch up to to absorb companies like or products like yours in order to do that sort of um, that check? Or is it something that each product manufacturer is going to create? It is a good question. Um, I think no matter who does it, it needs to occur because BIM is becoming very widespread, but it's also this extremely inefficient, painful, time-consuming task. Um, right? There are man years, like multiple man years that go into developing the build in, into the BIM for a commercial project. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's a long time. And the result is not as far from perfect. And so someone, so, somehow, BIM software needs to make this shift from this very dumb blank canvas where anything can be drawn into mm -hmm. some application that has an understanding of how the building is constructed. Um, yeah. the, the difficult thing is that existing building products manufacturers are, are generally not good software developers. That is not their expertise. Um, mm. And so I think HyperFrame is an example of the next generation of building products company that will have that expertise and competence. My guess is that there will be more like us. And I think there will be some existing manufacturers who are able to figure out how to make it happen. Um, it will require like deep culture change within their companies. I think, yeah. but I think some will figure out how to make it happen. I think, I think many will not. Yeah. In your mind, I don't know if you can say or not, but do you foresee creating an add-on that can connect to Revit uh, and they can run those systems through, directly through Revit? Or is it solely we have to go to your website or your, your web application in order to run through it? We actually initially tried to do that. Um, hmm. But the problem is, is that Revit is essentially... I don't know, a 20-year-old application. Um, it has <laughs> yeah. been updated yearly since then, but but at its core, it is an old application. And it is you are very limited from a developer's perspective um, mm. what kind of experience you can deliver within Revit and what kind of performance you can deliver within Revit. It, yeah. A lot of times, like Revit plugins take a long time to process. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, it's not what you would expect in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, and so we built a standalone app as a necessity because it was impossible to build the experience we needed to deliver inside of Revit. But it also plays very nicely with Revit. It, it is built to ingest a Revit model. And so I think this kind of like, you know, this transition from what BIM is today to what BIM needs to be in the future will be bumpy and messy. And I'm not exactly sure how it will shake out, <laughs> um, but certainly I think a change will happen. And how and how BIM is used. Let's take a break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love most. This series will help. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series, created by acclaimed architect and business consultant Douglas Teeger, FAIA, 
aims to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew his practice from a solo practitioner to a 30-plus person firm, then later sold his firm to do what he does today, help architects be more successful through Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth for years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit, and when you visit bqe.com masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free, and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com masterclass. That's BQE com slash masterclass. Hey, Demetrius here. As you may know, Spaces is part of Gable Media, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. Gable empowers AE professionals just like you to better serve the world. Now, through the strategic development of a brand new membership platform, we are eliminating the traditional industry boundaries and information bottlenecks that we all experience. But we need your help. Please go to gablemedia.com members and pick your top three initiatives that you believe will have the greatest impact on your growth, including a continuing education program, VIP access to expert forums and private Q&As, community boards, special freebies, and more. Go to gablemedia.com members and let us know what you'd like to see. Small firm entrepreneur architects, get ready to build a better business with the Entree Architect podcast, where business meets architecture. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the host of Entree Architect podcast. Join me every week for inspiring interviews with passionate people that share proven strategies to help you build a better business. If you think there is a problem, one, you can't make a move until you have a plan in place. The accountability chart really helps plan, okay, for the business six to 12 months out, this is what we need. We cover it all from financial management to marketing, sales, productivity, and beyond. There's two sides of it, right? So there's the one when you don't have any work. So you're like, well, I'm either going to charge enough to be profitable or I'm going to go out of business. Or you have so much work and you have backlog and you don't need any more work. So you charge way more. I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best like the best, best, best. <laughs> so for any client, for any professional service um, company, if you're going to take one thing away from what we're talking about today is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio. Entree Architect is not just a podcast. It's your secret weapon for success. With over 500 episodes, it's one of the longest running architecture podcasts in the world. You're sure to find the information you need to elevate your business. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now and join the community of small firm entrepreneur architects building better businesses. And now let's get back to the conversation.
So I interrupted you after the you're you're going through your web application. What's what's sort of the next phase for you guys? Sure, um, we're developing the manufacturing equipment that will produce our product, um, and then finally we are developing a mixed reality application um, oh, nice. that helps the installer very quickly identify where each stick of framing goes within the building. Um, we've tried to sort of gamify that process and make it totally mindless um, and, and easy. Yeah, we talked when we talked with Jordan, he was going over his mixed reality uh, with Tremble. Is that uh, is that kind of in line with what you're thinking you're discussing? So the challenge that we have with a prefabricated snap together product is that there are some pieces uh, that are shipped to the job site that are totally unique and only fit in one spot. And they might only fit in one spot in like a giant, like 60 story building. Uh, (laughs) And so the risk and the problem that we needed to solve was, you know, we have this amazing snap together product, but it's useless if you need to spend 20 minutes figuring out where each piece goes. Yeah. And so we were really worried about this problem for a while. Um, (laughs) And then we started learning more about the HoloLens 2 and and specifically the Trimble XR10 product um, made for job site conditions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to build a company that is going to be perfect for where the market is in five years and 10 years. And it seems that if, you know, if we're trying to build that future, mixed reality offers the best experience because basically the way that our application will work is that you pick up a piece off the ground, you glance at a QR code on that piece, um, you get some arrows, some holographic arrows that show you which way you should move your body or pivot your head. Um, And then you see a hologram of the part you're holding in the physical location where you need to snap it in place. And so it's very visceral. Um, It's very, it's, it's like you don't even need to be trained on how to use it it's just it's yeah. it's like in the same way that you need to be trained how to use a video game you just kind of like yeah. <laughs> do what it tells you that's so cool no is it to the point that you would have to that it orients the piece for you uh visually or is it so once you get to there to that point you have to have some knowledge of how that piece connects in it orients it for sure yeah. you know i when we train a customer we, we might show them ahead of time this is how a stud snaps in this is how a header snaps in just so that they know what movement they need to make uh just to engage the connection but you know that only takes a couple minutes um and then after that the the part in in the mixed reality application the part is totally oriented the right direction it's physically in the right um you know 3d position within the building Um, Mm -hmm. and so you just you just have to line up your physical part generally with the hologram and then our snap connectors just guide the part into the final position um, just by the nature of their design. Wow, that's amazing. Is this being used anywhere right now, or are you guys still sort of ramping up to distributing the product? We have piloted it in two buildings uh, in California. Um, okay. And those were extremely valuable learning experiences for us. And our customers have all told us that where they really want to use hyperframe is on a mega project. They right, they want to use it on a much bigger scale um, than the pilots that we've done. And it's it's in, in most cases, it's not productive for them to just 
approve hyperframe for use in a small portion of the building. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, if they're going to go through the effort, they would like to do it for a large portion of the building. Um, yeah. And uh, that just requires, you know, some really robust manufacturing processes to produce material at that scale. And so we've been really focused on that. Um, so I think once that's up and running, it'll be, um, it'll be a sharp ramp. And, uh, that's, that's really, that's really kind of our North star right now. That's what we're building toward. Yeah. In the pilot, uh, situations that you guys have, have you been able to sort of extract any, whether hard numbers or estimates of time savings that, that you're getting out of this? Yeah. So, you know, in, in theoretical conditions, um, we, we've done mock-ups within our, uh, our warehouse. And so mm -hmm. in like theoretical best case conditions, we achieved a 15 time speed improvement. Oh We're God. trying to replicate that speed on the job site. And I think in our first couple of pilots, we were able to achieve something like six or seven times faster. Um, which is on its own. It's like remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Even six, yeah. I mean, there's no, you know, no one's, uh, no one's complaining about a six or seven times speed improvement. Um, yeah. But we also know from our, our warehouse testing that we can, we can be much faster than that. So we learned a lot from our pilots about ways to improve how our, how our mixed reality application works, ways to improve how our physical connectors are designed, ways to improve the way that the BIM is prepared uh, to make sure all the fit, all the pieces fit in place properly. And so we're tweaking these things throughout the, throughout the, the course of this year. And I do think that, you know, we will easily exceed 10 times in real world conditions. And um, I think we will sort of drive towards the 15x number. And I actually think that some of the new products we have in development that have not been exposed to customers yet, I think some of those products will be even faster than 15 wow. times. Um, and so that's why uh, it kind of sounds ridiculous if we say that, you know, we want to build this company where products are 10 to 100 times faster to install. But that is actually what we're trying to do. And I think that as we fill out this ecosystem, we're trying to, to build with more products, the savings will start to sort of compound and we will get to some pretty awesome productivity numbers. Yeah. And do you have an understanding of sort of uh, decline in manpower needed? It's directly correlated. You know, time, time and labor are, are the same, uh, basically the same variable. And so if you... You know, theoretically, if you made something 15 times faster, then you could, right? That means you can build the same wall in less than 10% of the time it used to take. 10% you know, of the hours, man hours it used to take. Uh, I don't think that will just correlate into, you know, the reduction of that much manpower. I think it will, it will do two things. Number one, there are some markets where there is just not any skilled labor available to do some of these trades. And so in those mm -hmm. markets where the labor just wasn't there now suddenly um, it's much easier to train apprentices to use this product and so now the labor will be there and you can mm. construct buildings on a schedule that wasn't previously possible and and also even in robust markets um, like san francisco where i'm located i think that this product will enable contractors to to do more work to do more jobs Everyone knows that there's a huge, you know, there's a huge housing shortage, right? And there's no way right now with the, with the construction methods we have now, there's just no way to be able to afford 
to build all the housing that is needed. And so our framing product will help that in, in a small way, and it will free up more framing labor to frame more buildings. Um, yeah. That needs to be replicated throughout many other trades uh, for that to have sort of a macro effect on the construction economy. But that's the future that we're trying to build. Yeah. When can people expect to be able to to jump on Hyperframe and, and order and build whatever building they want? So we expect to resume sales of Hyperframe for larger pilots and production projects in late 2022. Um, okay. I'm not sure exactly when when our BIM application will be public, probably the first half of 2023. But the intention is that the software will be free uh, to use and anybody will be able to configure a framing order in the software and, and purchase it. So I'm pretty excited for when that happens, um, but we will um, we will start sort of with a, uh, a select group of contractors that we're close with in California to make sure that uh, it's a robust <laughs> product, and then we'll, yeah. we'll go public sometime thereafter. Great. And last question for you, how can people follow along with Hyperframe, and if you want to throw out any uh, personal social media or anything that you want people to follow along with? Sure. Uh, the best way to do this would be to subscribe to our email newsletter on our website. Uh, there's a there's a subscribe button in the header. Uh, so we'd love to have anybody who's interested follow along on our journey. And then the website is hyperframe.com. Hyperframe.com. There you go. All right. Thank you so much, Ken. Uh, really appreciate the, the conversation, uh, both specific to Hyperframe and to the general industry. And thank you to the listeners for listening. We'll talk again on the next one. Thanks. Thanks, Demetrius. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. 
We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK, the three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.